Ian, welcome to episode 27 of Hubshots. How are you? Excellent, Craig. Let me ask you this. Are the leads you're generating white bread leads or are they wheat bread leads? I think we all have a bit of both, to be honest. And I think it just depends where in that funnel people are. Yeah, it's one of the interesting analogies that Sam brings up in this interview. And in this interview, we're interviewing Sam Schulman. He's a HubSpot sales director, Asia Pack. Yes. Now, one of the things that we've discovered, it's all about adaptability. Yes, he has some really challenging and useful examples of that throughout the interview, isn't it? Yes, and totally. I think in sales, you've got to be adaptable, but I think marketing has to be adaptable as well. So have a listen. You'll actually learn a lot. As he mentions in there, I ask him how much change he's gone through. He's gone through so much, he actually doesn't remember how much. <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's right at the end. It's really, really interesting how they've grown. This is our final interview with the HubSpotters from SidSpot, the Sydney HubSpot office. And over the past uh, interviews, the seven interviews, we've covered both, I think, strategic and tactical. Now, in the strategic side, we had Ryan Benici in episode 21. We had Rosalia Sefalu in episode 23. And today we've got Sam Schulman. Yes, and you know what? On the tactical side, we had Mads, we had Varun, we had James, and we had Brent. So it's really important. Like if you're looking for tactical ones, go listen to that. And those episodes are in between all the strategic ones. But it's really key. If you want something to quickly get started and you want to get a quick hit, go, I want to implement something that will bring me some good results, go listen to those. But you know what? For the strategic ones, you've got to listen to them a couple of times because as the two of us have listened to these recordings over as we've been editing them, I've discovered so many new things that I did not pick up the first time. So there's a lot of gold in these. So just go back, listen to it, take notes and have a think and digest it. I totally agree. I've listened to this interview with Sam a number of times now and each time I've picked up something new. It's actually, yeah, it's 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 a cult classic. <laughs> so I think on that note, let's head over to Sam. Well, before we do, I just want to tell you to listen out for one little thing that he alludes to. He alludes to a sales certification that's yes. coming from HubSpot. And we'll tell you about that at the end of the episode because it has just been been released. It's very Correct. exciting news. All right. We hand it over to Sam and we start by asking him what he does at HubSpot. Now, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is here at HubSpot. Sure thing. So I head up the direct sales team here in Sydney, which basically means I'm working with a bunch of our sales reps and our business development folks to help them spread the inbound love throughout Australia, New Zealand. Fantastic. What's one thing that successful marketing managers are particularly good at and yeah, I'm asking a salesperson about what marketing manager, yeah. successful marketing manager. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure some, some people would be probably wondering why would this guy be qualified to know what successful marketing managers are particularly good at. I think being on the sales side for a marketing platform like HubSpot, and I've been with the business for about five years prior to that working with another software as a service company with marketers specifically, I've had the chance, the opportunity to speak with literally thousands of marketers at this stage. And some of them do really well and others struggle in certain areas. So it's hard to generalize and lump together, you know, the good ones do this and the the poor marketing managers do that. But I think at a core level, 
willingness to adapt and change is super important. If I come into a conversation with a marketing manager, I'm not looking to sell this or that. I'm just looking to understand what's their current situation, what are their goals and the challenges that they're up against. And the ones that are more open to sharing that tend to not just see more success with our own products, but in general, they tend to evolve at a faster rate and they're really looking to improve their process and put their own skill sets or lack thereof or lack of tool sets under the microscope and say, okay, where do we need to fix things? So I think that willingness to adapt and openness is super important. Okay. So in terms of willingness to adapt, what are some of the things they need to adapt to now? And I guess we're looking at this whole sales marketing alignment piece, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, from from all of our research, from a lot of data that's been done by countless you know, marketing research companies, there are certain tactics that are just less effective these days, right? Trade shows, cold calling, buying lists and email spamming them, that stuff is not effective as it used to be. And if someone's got their head in the sand or says, you know what, we're gonna keep doing things the way we've been doing them, because that's what we know, you know what, you're gonna continue getting the same results you've always been getting. Or even worse now. <laughs> yes, or even worse now, exactly. So it really just depends if they've got those goals for increasing leads or automating communication to those leads. And that is something that they know is going to have a bottom line impact on the business. That's an area that we're really happy to help, but resistance to that type of change, which can be hard for some companies to adopt just depending on their culture and who's leading it, things like that. Now, Sam, I was reading, I think on a HubSpot blog somewhere or in some training, one of the things that... It's probably more so than people in marketing, but I would also say in sales is training and adapting themselves is being, a, it's a big challenge, right? Because they're trying to do the day-to-day work. You're trying to get stuff over the line. You're trying to do deals, talk to customers, talk to potential people that you're prospecting, but you also got to learn, well, how do I use the CRM? How do I use Sidekick? Make sure that I'm actually giving appropriate feedback. I'm putting all the information back in the CRM correctly. Yep. I'm communicating to the right people. Like how much do you see of that as being like uh, probably more ongoing, but as time goes on, things get more complicated or mm. get more sophisticated. So how, how are you dealing with that in your team mm. as, as a sales organization? Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if something is new to somebody coming into the business, they need to get a habit going, right? And that's going to happen typically by tasks and reminders that are popping up in the calendar or in CRM. And it's something that we keep tabs on. Reporting is really effective. So if you don't have a system that's measuring things and sending out the results to everyone, you know, whenever you're in the public eye and you see your name next to a smaller bar and everyone else's bar is a lot bigger, you know, it doesn't look like you're pulling your weight. And if you know that you have been, but you just haven't been logging your stuff, that's, I think, going to be the prod that you need to be a little bit more effective with how you manage your pipeline and how much you log things. You need a baseline or you're just everything that follows is not efficient. It's not logged. You're going to have trouble seeing where things are falling through the cracks. Do I need, you know, to focus on my assessment to demonstration rate? What do I need to change about my sales process? It's incredibly hard to improve as a salesperson. And I think as a marketer, if you don't have a proper system of measurement and holding yourself accountable for actually getting the inputs logged. Now, would you say it's important that sales teams actually do inbound certification? Inbound marketing certification yes. or inbound sales certification? Either or both. Well, we don't have an inbound sales certification. <laughs> yeah. That would be a really good idea and probably something that's on the roadmap. Inbound marketing certification, I think it depends what their industry is and also 
how much is their marketing team currently adopting inbound marketing or planning to. So from a marketing perspective, right, sales and marketing alignment, if your company relies on inbound marketing or it's planning to in the near future, the sales guys have to know what the core foundation of inbound marketing is. They should do the certification or they should at least get some training sessions around it so that they can work effectively with the marketers because it's not a one-way street. I'm assuming all of your guys do. Yeah, they, they do inbound certification before they go to Cambridge where we're headquartered and they train for a month there. They've, they're already inbound certified yeah. before they get on the plane. They need to know HubSpot and inbound marketing in and out because that's exactly what we're talking about every day. But I think there's value for salespeople across a wide range of industries. You know what I think is interesting about that is because you say, well, they get training on the product because they have to sell it. And we go, well, duh, of course. But how many companies do you know where they get the sales team in? They don't even train them on the product they're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. They're just kind they're of, just, there's the phones, get firing boys. You yeah. Know, kind of thing. It's just like. No, it's a good point. Absolutely. I mean, for our project, and I would, I would say for people that are listening, try and maybe liken this to your own product or service and how you could replicate something like this because it's really effective and our reps are hitting their targets. I mean, we achieved incredible success over 100% last year and year over year growth is, you can look it up, but it's been astronomical. And I think part of that is thanks to the training foundation that's provided where someone that comes into HubSpot and they're going to be on our sales team actually has to build a website on HubSpot and They need to build an awareness offer, a consideration offer, a decision offer. They need to use this content optimization system and map out where all of this is living and how is it optimized and build social media pages for it. They're basically creating a a business in the span of one month and it's expected to be fully inbound marketing best practice and have working automation workflows and the whole work. So whatever that means for your business, you know, it's going to be easier for some than others. I think for every software as a service company, it's definitely something that's achievable because they've got that product that they can give a demo account to. But for some others, that would take a bit of thinking and creativity probably. Fantastic. That's great advice. It's very good advice. Now, I wanted to ask you, and this is its almost like the follow-on from previously, but what mistakes are you seeing marketing managers make that could be avoided? And I don't mean to be overly critical or harsh. You know, I think marketing managers have a really tough job, yeah, and they've sure. signed on for that. You know, it's not easy. And the good news is, you know, there's a lot of support for it. So I think that one, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail. Right. So I think a lot of the time, like we were talking about before, you might have a sales team that you say, okay, just hit the ground running, get on the phones, let's see how it goes and sell stuff. You know, if if you don't plan there, if you don't have training there, you're in trouble. Same thing for marketing. So they need to come in at a baseline understanding of what the organization's up to and get trained by the rest of the marketing team on how do things work here and really inventory, where is the budget going? Where's our focus? And I think once they do that and they hopefully have some reports and analytics they can look into prioritizing, not just saying, how do we get found by more people? I think that's the natural tendency by a lot of marketers. It's how do we increase website traffic? How do we get more likes on social media? How do we get more followers? And a lot of the time they're already getting that exposure, but they're not being as effective as they possibly could be with the eyeballs that are already on their website, right? When I come to your website, what do you want me to do? Where do you expect me to click? How do I become a lead? I don't think marketers are always asking themselves those questions. And that's the process that we help them through quite a bit. So we might say, you know, I'm landing on your site, you're a manufacturing company, and you've got a contact us button. I'm not qualified, I'm not ready to click contact us. That's Mm. a very bottom of the funnel (laughs) offer. 
right? If someone knows that they need your business and they already trust your brand or something, they probably already know your company in the end on your website. Maybe they'll click it and you get one or two submissions there. But if they don't have other conversion points, like an ebook or a white paper download or a webinar, something like that, where someone can very non-aggressively plug in their details, but it's not super salesy. It's not a big Mm. commitment. That's the best way to capture some leads at the top of the funnel. And it's amazing how many marketers across the world, it's not something that the US has figured out. What I'm inspired by is how quickly Australia is is adopting this and really wants to get ahead of it and be a thought leader. So that that keeps me super excited doing what I'm doing every day and will help marketing managers, you know, one at a time here. Now, I've got a question around reporting. We were talking about reporting and everybody in the organization using reporting and having their own dashboards feeding off the same data. And Rosalie has mentioned, you know, make sure that sales also have a dashboard, but marketing would build that out. What happens in your team? Is it is it something that is, you can see what marketing is doing as well as sales performance? Or is it just purely sales focused for you once you get the MQL? No, we, we have a marketing meeting every month. Yeah. We actually just had it today, a couple yeah. hours ago. So marketing is going to present, you know, what did our MQL achievement look like? Where are we on the SLA, the service level agreement that we've basically said each rep needs this many marketing qualified leads per month. And the rest is going to be what we call white bread leads, white bread versus wheat bread. The wheat bread of the MQL is a bit hardier, a bit more qualified. Um, And the white bread being, you know, maybe an ebook or a white paper download, something that's not too far down the funnel yet yeah. but we look at their metrics they look at ours they know our achievement they know how quickly we're following up with leads yeah. so we have an SLA back to them on that and it really feels like a partnership it doesn't feel like we're banging our heads against the wall because we have different priorities we're mm-hmm. very much aligned and on the same page which is super important and enables us I think to work a bit closer together and also with a level of transparency and honesty that is important but frankly not prevalent in yeah. a lot of places. Now, I do want to ask you something. And I saw this when I went to the office in Boston. Mm. There are these big screens on the wall with... I, I can see people's faces popping up there every periodically. Now, I'm assuming that you, you touched on this before. It's like you see your face popping up next to a graph mm-hmm. that's a bit low compared to everybody else's sure. and you want to take action. Has that been a, like a key driver since the start of HubSpot to really keep everybody on the same page? And make it, I guess, create transparency as well, because a lot of times you can carry on and go along Mm. in a sales team. Like you can say, look, I'm going to visit that customer over there or I'm I'm going to be going in to do this, but no one ever knows what's going on. Right. Is this a way of creating transparency in the team and also keeping so marketing can see what's going on? and see what sort of activity is within the team. Yeah, I think I think marketing pays less attention to those to those boards as the sales team does themselves. It's more of a gamification to make this fun and to spark team camaraderie. So we'll run some contests between teams around attainment of assessments or, you know, how we're tracking for yeah. the month or for the quarter. And it's important, you know, it, it sparks some some teamwork and some unity. I wouldn't say that since HubSpot started, it was the most prevalent thing. I think more measurement for sales reps, it was sent out just via dashboards and email that everyone was seeing. Yeah. But that's a more recent thing in the past year and a half. And it's, it's been really positive. We've had good reception from people and they do care about it, right? If there's a contest on, you want to win. If it's, you know, down to the individual, you want to be at the top of the leaderboard. So just like, you know, watching stats on a football game or a rugby game or something like that, like you're kind of making everyone their own celebrity and 
the, the master of their own business and success and a bit of an entrepreneur, I think it's incredibly empowering. Just going back a bit to the sales and marketing alignment piece. And so you said you have a monthly marketing meeting and mm-hmm. things like And it sounds like it's working really well. Mm-hmm. Now, have you been exposed to HubSpot customers that are actually good at having that sales and marketing alignment? Mm-hmm. And if so, what do you think it is about the companies where it is working that makes them different? Yeah, I, I think that... First and foremost, like I said before, companies that are more adopting inbound marketing and they have a high volume of leads and a sales team where there's more than just one or two reps, they're going to be more qualified for a marketing kind of alignment. If you're an old school business or a really small business that's got one guy on the sales team or two people, or you've got you know 10 reps, but they're not doing any inbound marketing, it just doesn't, I don't know how it would operate. I've never seen it. Right. Um, so maybe there's another type of marketing alignment that can work from a trade show attendance perspective. That's just not something I would have been as exposed to. Mm. But we do have some customers that have adopted it really well. And it's, it's those that have tended to take off with HubSpot and just generate a ton of leads and high quality ones and iterate on what they're doing to make sure that they're continuously higher and higher caliber. And then the sales team really appreciates that. And they see marketing in a good light and they work the leads harder. And then marketing's happy that sales is closing more business. It's a good cycle and they can start to align more. And going along with that is not just the idea of generating the leads, but nurturing them over time. So if a company has really adopted automation and they're using lead nurturing, that's going to directly impact the rep because there might be a nurturing stream of you know 15 emails over a, a couple months period and then the finally the lead you know actually requests uh, whatever it is a consultation or a demonstration or something like that so right. we can't really work without each other is is the way it is right so it's almost like a virtuous cycle promotes the marketing whereas if you've got this vicious cycle of the <laughs> There's not enough leads. Are oh, you burning my leads? It's almost like it, it, it's a barrier that just grows. Totally, yeah. totally. And what you're doing today isn't automatically going to work next week or next year. And our team locally knows that. Our team in Dublin knows that. Our team in Cambridge knows that. And back to my first point earlier, you have to be willing to adapt and to change and to look at the data on a really constant basis and say, why does this look lower than it did before? We're super paranoid about our growth. We're not resting on success. So tell me, in the last 12 months, how many things have you changed in your team? Oh, I can't even count. <laughs> so there's been a, so you've obviously changed a few things based on the yeah. data that you have. Yeah. Would, that, would I be right in saying that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, looking back really 12 to 18 months, when we came here from Boston, we were seven people. We're now a team of 35 and the sales team is nearly 20 at this stage. So I think the way in which we've grown from a sales perspective, which obviously I'm a bit closer to, it's been looking at where the market is, is responding the most. So we're starting to look at a bit of industry specialization. We've got one guy who's focusing on e-commerce specifically, and the more knowledge that he can gain in that industry, and given the fact that we have you know, solid interest and adoption with e-commerce companies and really strong integrations with partners like Magento and Shopify and Big Commerce, some of which actually have offices in Australia. You know, that's where we've pivoted and made changes. I never would have predicted that that would happen now when we opened up shop here. I guess that's one specific example, but I think from a cultural perspective as well, you know, I'm, I'm not just thinking about sales, but more team wide since sales is central to the organization and we're a large percentage of what's here in Australia. 
how do we need to evolve the culture when we pull in our first IT person and our first office manager and have a services team launching and interfacing with marketing and now a sales enablement person. It's it's a constant work in progress. We need mm. to evolve ourselves internally and what we do and how we interact with each other and the meetings that are happening and outside of work, you know, how we get involved in one another's lives. It's it's important and it's it's central. Craig, what a great interview by Sam and thank you, Sam. Yes, that was so useful. And I was really challenged around how he talks about you've got to be adaptable. I mean, yes. It's, I mean, it, he, he ended up with a lot of change, right? I just thought it was really funny that when I asked him how much change he's been through, he couldn't tell us because he's probably been through so much. They've grown from seven to 35 in such a short space of time. And I think it's testament to how quickly they can adapt. Absolutely. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, and I think with adapting, one of the key things that really stood out to me was you've got to log stuff and logging in the CRM in this respect is really important. As teams grow, you need visibility. You need to see the numbers because I know for a fact, like I go and check on stuff, new people in our team and I look at the CRM and I go, hang on, there's no calls plays, no meetings booked. They didn't send any emails. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And that's really key. So it, It's quite often, that's because that's the way we've always done it. We, we won't adapt. We, we won't change. And I think that the reason I find this a challenging comment from him, being adaptable, is because I think I'm adaptable, right? I think I'm open to change. But it's a challenge to me because I know in myself I often resist it. Correct. Often marketing managers resist it as well. And just a quick insight into how this can happen. If you've ever had that conversation where you're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to embrace inbound. We're going to embrace HubSpot. Oh, but we're going we're gonna to make HubSpot fit in with our process yes. because that's the way we've always done it. Ding, ding. There's an insight where you need to be adaptable and change your own processes. Totally. You know what? When you've got such a proven, trusted process, why modify it and get a lesser result? You know, it's like I liken it to buying, let's say, a new BMW M2, right? Performance car. Okay. They tell you put 98 octane fuel in the, in the engine, right? Yeah. Or in the tank. But you choose, well, I've been using 91 in my old car. I'll just continue doing that. That's no, the way we've always done it. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what that leads to? It's breakdown. <laughs> and, and you just don't get the performance that you're supposed to get out of it. So you need to adapt it wholly. You can't be doing things in half measures. I totally agree. And, you know, when he was talking about the process that they go through, I thought this was really interesting to do with your logging, you know, when you were talking yeah, about logging. Yeah, this is a bit of a hidden gem, wasn't it? Yeah. And I kind of think, so let's take a step back. You know, we're, let's say this process is we're making a sale at the end. There are actually a few things before that happens. So, you know, maybe it's a, a call. Maybe it's an actual qualification. Then you move into a demonstration before before you get to the actual sale or asking for the sale. And we can often forget that all these points are kind of little rewards along the way and people need to be a part of it. And I think he really highlighted how important that is, those little wins, I guess, along the way to making the sale. Yeah, I totally agree. And then just before we close, I just wanted to allude to this new certification that he alluded to in the interview. Now, we recorded this back in February. So yes. he had to be careful about what he said. And, uh, and it was can, on the roadmap. It was on the roadmap. That's right. We can now announce April 7th that they're releasing a brand new certification. It's the Inbound sales certification. You've looked at this, and I've looked at. It. We've I've actually done the exam, and I found it very helpful. And we're actually going to talk about that next week yes. in depth because it's useful not just for salespeople but also for marketing, marketing managers. And you know what? I think this will cement 
put that right fuel in your car, it'll cement it and you'll get the right results. So it's a great win. And it's something that's been needed for a long time, Craig. That's right. Now we're, we're about to close off, but a quick question for you. What speed do you listen to your podcast at, Ian? Usually 1.5. I'm the same. And I wonder what our listeners are. Yeah. So we'd love you to reply to the tweet and let us know what speed you listen to podcasts at. There's a link in the show notes. Just open that. It'll open Twitter. Leave us a reply. Well, good night, Craig. (laughs) All right, Ian. I'll catch you next week. See you, mate. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.